All right, welcome to the Pitch Stack Podcast, episode seven. Today is April 30th, 2022. And today I have the pleasure of being joined in studio with my dear friend, Matt Rodriguez. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well here in the flesh and blood. But, um, oh, phenomenal. The pun <laughs> was there. I sang you the alley oop. You took it. Nothing but net. That's what I'm talking about. That's right. Like Shaq and Kobe, Shaq, I think. Shaq and Kobe, Rodman and Jordan, other basketball players that did cool stuff together. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Woody and Buzz. Woody and Buzz. I'm sure they got in some basketball, right? I mean, basketball's a toy. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. <laughs> like some pool basketball or something. What if know. they inserted a uh, Michael Jordan uh, action figure into his uh, toy chest? Actually, did they ever do that on Toy Story? I don't know. This is going to turn no. into a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like they could have done a celebrity toy oh, in man. Toy Story. Yeah, that would have been badass. Yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> well, you're welcome, Pixar. That one's free. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, you know, we just got home. We're going to open up the mailbox. Uh, what do you say we slay some viewer questions? Yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and lay them out. All right. So uh, our first question comes from future pro tour competitor. He's got about 11 days to get ready. John Owens. Uh, John asks, what do you think will win the pro tour? And Matt, what do you think? Well, probably not this <laughs> Oh yes. And we will get to that. To the great <laughs> sadness you experienced this week. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's yeah. not great. Uh, I actually think that Prism is very well slated, but uh, we can definitely talk about that once we get into the bands and stuff and reasons for that. But my opinion is definitely that Prism is probably stands the highest chance. Yeah, I think so, too. Prism feels really good right now. There's been a lot of lists going around and people are slowly tweaking the deck so that it can handle Chain and Starvo and Viscerai. And I mean, obviously, that's going to be, let's say, 95 percent of the meta going in. It feels like unless there's some weird new list that somebody hasn't brewed up yet. Um, you know, I'm sure with the stakes on the line at this pro tour, a lot of teams have internal lists that they're not even willing to take to an armory or let anybody see a part oh, 100%. of 100 percent. And the thing is, it's like it's it's really weird that that's a thing that occurs. But somehow uh, a lot of tech just kind of goes under the radar right uh yeah. it's weird though this is kind of a game where like there's such a small card pool and somehow tech goes under the radar yeah right it's a, yeah it's really bizarre but there's just so many cards where you just you never see them in a list and i feel like that's what's interesting right is this is really the first card game to get to this level of competition solely in the net decking era right like i'm sure it's happened with other card games but the level of competitiveness with it, flesh and blood, it's so weird where you just like see cards that are never in a list. You almost, I feel like you have one guy on your team that just sits down and looks at every single card that's ever been printed, you know? Yeah, 100%. They do a lot of play testing, from what I understand. I've talked to a lot of people on these teams uh, about their, their processes uh, for play testing, uh, qualifying, and kind of just running the gauntlets. But um, but yeah, you know, um, alongside the 
Pro Tour will also be a calling that will put the Blitz format to test as well, and not just CC, but in a new way that we actually, I don't believe we've seen before. Yeah, new um, Blitz. Yeah, 3v3 Blitz. It's also another question that Jonathan brought up. Uh, he asked us, uh, do we think that there will be more of these kind of callings where we might see uh, 3v3 maybe CC or uh, sealed for calling, perhaps draft? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I do feel like the real bread and butter of this game is Classic Instructed. Classic Instructed yeah. is beautiful. It plays like a chess match, and it's... Oh, man, it's one of the best. Even losing getting stomped is one of the best card gaming experiences or just gaming experience I've ever had. Just. I don't know. It's it's so good at sitting and thinking between turns um, that I don't know. I think I like that they're doing this one for Blitz. 3v3 Blitz feels wonky, but. And I know I really hate to say this, but a a non classic constructed calling doesn't feel like a real calling to me. Interesting. Yeah. Um. I don't know. 3v3 has always been a very uh, interest. It's always had a very interesting rule set, at least as far as magic goes, depending on the formats that uh, are played alongside each other. Right. But if it's all the same format, they have to have different heroes. And uh, there are sometimes deck building restrictions in magic for these 3v3 tournaments. I don't know if that's the case for fab. Uh, I guess we'll find out when people start entering their deck lists and or start preparing to play in this calling uh, or we see the live cast for it. But uh, I think that, yeah, definitely CC is the bread and butter of the game. Uh, I think secondly, I feel like draft is really uh, is a really important format for the game. Absolutely. That's where people that's where design space uh, for each set really uh, gets fleshed out. And not just for CC, they don't introduce cards solely for that, but they also balance them for draft as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things I'd like to see, and this is something they've been doing with Magic the Gathering for years, is hybrid pro tours where like it'll be the first four rounds or like a draft and then it'll be like yes. five or six rounds of modern and then they'll do like a, I don't know, then they'll like do like a top eight cut to standard or whatever. I I think that would be really cool. Um some hybrid one. I think because, they did that for the nationals. Am I mistaken? Uh, I don't know because I wasn't really I wasn't following the uh, competitive scene that closely so, when that's happened. I believe that Nats was uh, limited to begin with, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I remember um, speaking to some of the, our local guys while they were at Nats. Uh, I was playing the calling, and then the next day they were talking about CC, right? Yeah. So I do believe that they had a a, a draft. Uh, Nats format and then uh, day two or three were CC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting that they're not doing that for the Pro Tour uh, because that makes the most sense to me. I feel like that's the way to mm -hmm. go. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think the, I think we've already drafted uh, Aria quite a bit. Everyone's More. a little bit, no, everyone's a bit <laughs> tired of that. Uh, I, I'm definitely tired of that. But um, I think the, Testing for CC has to be rigorous and they're going to be playing three days of it worth of it, at least those who make all day. So it's going to be a lot of a lot of testing, a lot of grinding 50 minute matches. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be it's going to test people's will and their uh, their focus for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to like 
I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't going to like chill out on my couch and like sit there and watch it all day because I definitely am. Um, looking forward to the coverage. Uh, all right. Next piece of mail comes from Mr. Chris Bromley, a.k.a. I don't know. A.k.a. Bromley. Uh, <laughs> that's your nickname. Future store owner. Yeah. F- yeah. Right. Hopefully. Uh, so we're Bromley, uh, avid prism player, but. I think if we're if we're going to I want to say you're the first Icelander devotee before it was cool. And um, I feel like this might be a bad sign, but you're asking, how does Icelander kill people? Uh, (laughs) And I think the answer is like weirdly not with um, (laughs) not with wizard cards. (laughs) I feel like all the good Icelander builds I've seen have been like very aggressive elemental stuff. Yeah, and like weird fire breathing, exude confidence plays. Yeah, um, and like running attacks, like e strike. It's odd. I think the, I think her her current card pool is limited because of her appearance in Everfest as a young hero. Absolutely. Um, and she only has access to what was Aria and generics, of course. So she's kind of working with slim pickings, and her ice pool, at least in the blue slot. Uh, for pitch values is uh, slim as far as non-attack actions go. There are some really great ones, you know. Yeah, it's always good to pull off that instant speed uh, channel like frigid. Yeah, right. But as far as like having enough of those blue pitches to go around, it's kind of tough. I think she will be an insane presence in CC when the set releases and we could talk about the set spoilers a little bit more today because we saw we actually saw the full announcement for uprising uh, oh, yeah. a little bit after our uh, podcast last oh, week yes. so we know what we're going to be seeing as far as the rest of the heroes are concerned and like i you know there's something to be said about that where i just i can't wait for the next piece of big news the second we post this episode um <laughs> <laughs> yeah tomorrow or immediately after tonight well, Chris wrote us a huge letter, and so I'm gonna we're gonna get to he asked some questions about dragons. That's right, dragons, in case you have been living under a rock. We'll talk about those soon. Um so he also asks, and this is I think very interesting, is uh I know he meant Pro Tour, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you an SIC on this, which is like when they change your words so it makes sense in a newspaper quote. Learned that yeah. recently. Uh do you think we'll get a prism hit after the Pro Tour? Oh, um, I hope so. Uh, I think that she has a lot of living legend points already. Um, I don't know if the Pro Tour uh, allotment will be enough to send her to living legend, but I will be so sad. I I kind of hope she does. I have one CC deck. Man. <laughs> I'll be you're, so you're sad. gonna need two now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I well, I, Team Reinar. I'll just be the Rein, Every every LGS needs a Reinar guy. And I'll just be one of like the seven we have. <laughs> yeah, the, we have a lot of Reinar guys. It's because it's the greatest deck of all time. Reinar smash. Uh, I do think I got to think about this, right? I. I think I it's weird, right? Because if you take away one card from if you have to take one card away from Prism. I think it's either. It's either haze bending, which gives you a spectral shield token once per turn when an aura is popped, or they hit one of merciless retribution and ode to wrath. 
Um, I don't think when they made Prism originally, I don't think they intended for it to be a control deck. And it slowly turned into like this weird Anaconda strangly deck that's very difficult to regain tempo against. And one of the things I've noticed about Flesh and Blood is it's very much a game of tempo and every single every single great game of Flesh and Blood has multiple tempo swings. And in Prism matches, there's very few tempo swings. And I think maybe that would be why we see a hit is that Prism matches feel they don't have that level of excitement that the rest of the game has. Um, and so I don't know, maybe maybe we do see a Prism hit. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It it could be possible. They definitely like to review um, things as the new set releases. We will be getting an illusionist uh, for the new set. So uh, I expect something, some sort of balancing to occur. Absolutely. All in on Dragon Mommy. Um, that's right. <laughs> I said it. It was super cringe the first few times I heard it, but it's really become a part of the way I talk. I now. mean, Dromai is kind of a badass name. Yeah, right. Well, you know what? We've gotten this far. You know what? We've got, we immediately know what we need to talk about, but you know what we need to do first? What's that? We need to listen to the intro. All right. You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. cool and we're back <laughs> and uh all right so you know what let's hit let's hit the bands first i mean we vorthosed out last episode if you're not familiar with the common theory of three types of magic players there's the johnny combo player the timmy who likes just large cool things aka reinar players and then there's the vorthos who plays things based on the lore and the flavor and matt and i we went full Vorthos last episode. Um, I would like to point out that we're missing an archetype there. Oh, yeah. What is the... Spike. Oh, Spike. We yeah. forgot about Spike, but that's it's because he's ubiquitous. Johnny <laughs> the combo everyone. player, Timmy the dino player, and Spike the the competitive uh, net decker. We're all Spikes. Uh, I think at <laughs> the end of the day, it's like, I feel like there's two types of players in Flesh and Blood, and it's like Reinar fans and Spikes. That's like... <laughs> <laughs> and I feel myself slowly losing grasp on the spikeness as I become a Reinar fan. I, I think Reinar's fine. I think he's great. He's the best. Thing. I don't know how to describe. There's like this. There's this ineffable quality to Reinar and the cards and just how ridiculous of a hero he is. That is just absolutely unsurpassed in terms of like, I don't know. It does something for me that I can't explain. It's like seltzer water. He's like an, he's an acquired taste. Well, I know what does it for me, and that's uh, making rune chant tokens. Yeah, and uh, they're not as uh, not as good as they used to be, sadly. So yeah, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about some bands. Um, I was fine with them. I uh, <laughs> as a prison player, it was a pretty cool day for me. Um, we did see them use the suspended list. So this is a new thing they introduced where essentially yeah. a card is banned until a certain hero is retired. Awesome. Or banned until um, a new announcement 
Yeah, that's correct. Because they said, uh, for, at least for Blitz, they had suspended a few cards until the uh, next announcement following the current or concluded skirmish season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think this is awesome. And they released the uh, ban list early because we expected to see this on May 2nd. Yeah, they released um, the ban list like an hour after we released exactly. the last episode. We were, we were processing everything and then I all of a sudden get like added and I see laugh reacts and I see Visrai's picture and I'm like, oh no. So, uh, yeah, if uh, you haven't heard, uh, Skeleta, well... Yeah, let's just start with there. Let's just start there. Blushy Skeleta is suspended in CC until Viserai reaches Living Legend. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Um, I guess it makes sense with the super explosive turns. I personally thought that, like, Swarming Gloomvale was the card that was going to get hit. Um, you know, it, it makes sense. Skeleta has severely changed... Uh, what the deck is capable of now. Um, I, I will admit that uh, prior to any of this, the deck was one of the most flexible. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, playing to your outs goes and your matches, the deck was able to play extremely aggressively in the aggressive matchups and into uh, certain heroes, but into Guardian was it always it was always its hardest matchup. Uh, but until we got the OTK like hybrid deck, where your sideboard and parts of your main deck could help you pivot into a slower game, where you kind of just build up rune chance and then uh, slap your opponent for one big massive uh, hit of damage. Uh, once that came around, this rice started to really hit the scene and uh take a lot of wins you know and start taking down uh, events yeah. so it kind of makes sense um so right now my opinion is that viserai has been neutered as far as like s tier viability goes and i think he's gonna be b tier or bottom a tier for now until he can actually have tools to defeat guardian yeah i don't think that um Against Starvo, he has a great chance. Uh, and I think there's perhaps even worse of a chance against Noltim. Um, it's it's not impossible. I've played a few games against uh, Ultim since. Uh, not really against Starvo, but um, Aggro has been somewhat effective against Starvo in the past. And with the banning of Autumn's Touch or suspension of Autumn's Touch until Starvo reaches Living Legend, uh, the block potential for that deck has gone down a, just a, enough to maybe ha have that uh, that bit of an edge for aggro matchups. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting, right? Because if you think about it, we end up... Um, is it... Okay, so I'm not... Starvo is one of the few heroes I haven't sat down and played, uh, but I played against him a bunch. Is it normal for them to run blue and red copies of Autumn's Touch? They ran nine. So they ran all nine. So, so they're I, losing nine mistaken, points in blocking. I haven't I haven't played much Starvo either. But uh, as far as my conversations... <laughs> who, has the, who has the time or the money? <laughs> <laughs> as far as my conversations have gone with uh, our meta players for Starvo, uh, I believe they ran nine copies. So, But Breakground is also a great card. Still f serves the same uh, offensive purpose, but it does block one less. Yeah, and I think that makes a little... 
It's interesting, right? Because so many Starvo matchups come down to like two, three health. Um, that I think that makes a little bit of sense just to make them a little less resilient because you can't have, and I feel like this was innately the problem with Starvo is that Guardian needs to be a defensive class. And Starvo was weird because it was an extremely aggressive and defensive deck at the same time. And I feel like Starvo is now more in line with how they intended him to be in the first place, which is as an aggro smash this hammer, hit the bell at the fair <laughs> hero. Yeah. And, uh, you know, taking away those nine points of damage is huge. Like, let's say in a given game, you're probably going to see four of those. And so there's four points of blocking potential that are now taken out. You're replacing them with a highly similar card. And you, you before we start recording, you said something that actually really resonated with me on this uh, Autumn's Touch Ban, where it is there to affect the micro decisions of extremely high level players. And you are 100 percent correct. Yes, I think that's why I'm I'm. I hear high level players discussing the impact of that on the deck. And I think that uh, Shane has become much more viable and is seeing a lot more play now more than he did in ProQuest. although he had some pretty good representation in ProQuest, um you know as far as uh winning and taking uh some top eights yeah um but i think even more so now uh because they understand the starvo matchup a little better viscerai is a little bit less represented now and uh, they play now a little better into Prism. I don't understand. I, don't, I have not played too much yet of Shane or against it um, as far as the new builds go. Uh, I guess that's definitely something I want to try out and test. But um, I'm, I'm sure I'll have opportunities in the next couple of weeks as uh, some of our local players prepare for Pro Tour. Yeah. And I I've played into the new chain build uh, three or four times of the last couple of armories now. And I honestly, I haven't beat it once. I've been really struggling with it mm -hmm. and I don't really. Yeah. So your prism, you, you're, you're a prism main. So you have a lot more experience uh, from that angle against that deck. So how's that been? It's, it's weird. It feels, I mean, I feel this way against any Rune blade matchup where I just feel quickly overwhelmed and I can't get anything done. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that is and I'm going to guess like based on because most Runeblade matchups are 40, 60, 50, 50 for Prism. You know, none of them are that favored for Runeblade. And I feel like like my Prism Mirror strategy is fine. My Guardian strategy is fine. But I think innately I need to sit down and rethink my strategy against Runeblade because I've, I've been really struggling with it and I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. So one thing I I think I. And one thing I actually, not so, not so much that I think, I know. I mean, to be helps. fair, you, you absolutely stomped me with Runeblade four hours ago, so you probably <laughs> have great advice. Well, <laughs> I, could, I could give you all the advice in the world, but um, it's not until you actually sit down and hold a hero's deck and play it, I believe that you fully understand how to play against it. That's fair. I do annihilate Starvo every time, though, so that's fine. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just a great matchup for you. That's fair. Um, but I think you would even do you would do even better if you sat in that seat and you played the Starvo deck. So what you're saying is I should order that last swarming gloom veil. Yes. <laughs> well, I've I might have a swarming gloom veil if you want, but um, <laughs> I might have a few things. We're right. Are. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, like I'm going to start playing some old him and playing against old him so I can uh, have a better matchup against him. 
That right. makes sense. Now, I've been trying to... Is, uh, is Oldham traditionally a bad matchup for Runeblade? Not until now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So prior to uh, the tools we've been given and the ability to OTK as easily, um, the Runeblade... Uh, if you try to go aggressive into Oldham, it's just not going to work. For the most part, uh, there are chances for bad hands, misplays, all sorts of things. But assuming your opponent plays correctly and you draw pretty medium average or above average hands, hold him should win if you're going aggressive. Interesting. Right. But OTK Viserai uh, had the advantage where he had these D reacts where he could pretty much block any threatening on hit effect Oldham had, uh, like pretty much exclusively. Um, Pretty much exclusively just the Oak and Old, because I mean, even Endless Winter was like not that scary. Um, you would rather just take the damage instead of uh, blocking because it creates frostbites if you plan on playing any kind of zero cost things on your next turn. But that that always depends. So um, depends on what the hand looks like. But yeah, for the most part, those unmovable sink belows help you uh, block enough damage to where you stack up your rune chance and uh, kind of just pop off with. Uh, the Skeleta and Arcanics, but that's not a thing now. Yeah. Um, well, you know, so, okay. Adapt and, uh, adapt and learn, you know? Um, now we, there, there is one more ban. This so there is one more card, right? That got outright banned, not even correct, suspended. Correct. They were like, this was a huge mistake. Uh, we apologize. Is that, did they make a, a paragraph discussing their intentions banning uh, that particular card, Awakening? Oh, I know they did, and I know I read it, but so it was... would be in articles. Oh, yeah. You know, it, so I think, I think one of the reasons that they got rid of Awakening is it kind of, it created these ridiculous momentum swings. Um, I think the word is parody. Yeah, uh, it breaks parity with the the cost, the cost, the cost benefit analysis of the game, like risk reward. Right. So it rewarded it rewards you for doing nothing and then just taking damage and then opposing them with so much more. Right. Like I, maybe this I'm not really forming the words I'm trying to express, but um it's a very unfair card, essentially. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting, right? So I'll actually, so here's exactly what they said on it. I brought it up. Awakening has fallen into a place where it single-handedly trades for the most explosive turns an opponent can unleash for little cost. Awakening effectively trades the time and resources an opponent spends setting up their high-impact strategies for a devastating retaliation in the form of, effectively, a two-cost pulverize, crippling crush, or spinal crush. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I terrible. I have memory of playing a uh, a blitz match against uh, a Benji and just letting him hit me because my opening hand was awakening. I'm like, sure, wow, it's easy, free. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just crazy, you know. And my other hand, the card was uh, tear asunder, so I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Just took all the damage, went down to like three or something. I was like, okay, awakening, go grab pulverize. Next turn, play Terra Sunder, play Pulverize. Oh, you can't block, take 15, discard two. Cool. Pass. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of yeah. crazy. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, that, not just Ultimate Blitz, like, you know, Starvo with Awakening is kind of crazy too. Yeah, and so, uh, so this is really interesting, right? So I started playing competitively, like, after Tales of Aria was released. 
but before Everfest. And I remember the first time I saw somebody play an Awakening, my reaction was like, no. Like, because I was unaware of the card until it was played against me. Like, I was still getting into the game, so I wasn't researching the card. But somebody played an Awakening, I was like, there's no way that's what it does. You're reading the card wrong. Like, that's that's such a ridiculous effect to have. Like, why would they ever print that? There's no there's no <laughs> way that's a real thing. And um, and then I was like, what? This is super weird. And then I somehow, like, convinced myself that it wasn't that good. Yeah, it's fine. They printed it. It's, it's like they haven't addressed it. Can't it can't be that good. So I feel so vindicated. I remember, I remember conversations leaving uh, Nationals uh, Hall in Orlando, walking out the, uh, the very long way with uh, some of the buddies we went there with and talking about how like mediocre awakening is. And this is from the guardian main too. that in our little group there. And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's insane. And, uh, you know, either way, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but you know, it's, it opinions were mixed about the card as time, uh, uh, before now. You know, and then uh, I guess we've kind of just come full circle and realized, yeah, uh, trading damage for like a free attack is kind of good. Well, especially when I think about it, right, because I, I think the card's perfectly fine in Oldham, which is like significantly turtlier deck. Uh-huh. But then now that it can like slide into like Starvo and then uh, obviously we're getting like more ice cards that could push Oldham in a different direction that I think not only is this banned because of these reasons, I'm sure there are cards coming out that make, you know, Oh yeah. Old and more flexible. That's that makes this even worse. And they, they, that's part of their, uh, initial announcement is there are a couple things that they, uh, hit because they were, uh, concerned for future releases. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I still, I can't wait till someone solves the puzzle. Yeah. I mean, we will see the cards. We're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense now. We Good need to call the Johnny bandit. <laughs> we need to get all the Johnnies here. The Johnny combo players. So what we're talking about, uh, in case you haven't picked up and uh, picked up on it already is in the recent banned and restricted announcement, uh, stubby hammerers, the common equipment, um, is becoming banned the day uprising releases not the only common equipment they got banned either. Oh yes, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. It was one of two common equipments that got hurt. R.I.P. my bulk box. Um, And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see this. Like, it just set up an OTK. And I remember they spoiled it when this came out before the heroes were spoiled. And we'll get to that. Uh, When this came out, everyone was like, oh, my God, are they printing assassin? (laughs) I was like, yeah, maybe they are. Zero cost, one powers and just like go infinite draw cards. Kill target. Target player is one shot. Like I don't know how you build assassin in flesh and blood. Well, well, it would be interesting. I'm I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, um, in Blitz, the big news actually is that Viserai has actually acquired enough. This has been a terrible week for you. I know, man. <laughs> I just put the freaking deck together for skirmish season. You're doing really well with it in skirmish too. I mean, obviously the deck was insane, but. <laughs> They, he achieved living legend. So, you know, I'm actually not all that mad. He's the first hero to actually achieve living legend. Like, this is something that we we're like, oh, this is not going to happen for a while. Well, Blitz had only 500 point maximum for living legend. And this where I managed to scoop them all up in uh, skirmish season five. So uh, he had he hit living legend and as did Nebula Blade, the signature weapon. Yeah, he accomplished so much so young. 
Yeah, it was very young. <laughs> so I forgot about the Living Legend signature weapons also taking a hit, um, which is bizarre. So now there's no reason to ever play Nebula Blade ever again. Well, you know, eventually they're not going to have any options. So that's true. <laughs> Talishar. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put the blade in Rune Blade. Jeez, it's oh the my same, God. It's, it's the a- same cost. Why would you play Talishar? <laughs> Rune Blade. R U I N. Talishar. That's it. You, it's a uh, ruin blade. Oh, yeah. Because it gets destroyed. <laughs> There's a great joke there that I screwed up by, like, explaining the joke before I made it, but I love it. That's funny, actually. That's <laughs> that's a good one. The um, So Awakening obviously was banned in Blitz, too. Cause, you yeah, because it's a stupid card, card that does stupid things. Uh, Don't let anyone convince you otherwise. <laughs> Seeds of Agony was suspended in both Blitz and moved from the band to the suspended list in CC until Shane reaches Living Legend. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, so that means they suspect that uh, Seeds should be an alright card should they print another Shadow uh, Runeblade. Which, which is interesting, because uh, yeah. I don't know how... Shadow Viscerae. Because the design... Well, so check it, right? So I was thinking <laughs> about this. Uh, so that is actually the only card in Blitz that is suspended based on a living legend mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. But So I was thinking about this, right? So the thing about Seeds of Agony is that you can play it from your banished zone. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Like print a 15 life shadow room blade and now it's okay? Like, you know what I mean? There's no way to make... Well... Because the design space is so specific. The problem was that Shane was able to uh, just inherently have a go again ability. Yeah. So I think that in the future we may see a new uh, hero rise up from the Demonastery uh, or we will see a reimagining of a uh, of a hero like Shane or a reimagining of this in a classic battles. Or we get like a historic set and have Lord Sutcliffe himself. Right, maybe. What? Vorthos, that, it's back. That'd be crazy. I mean, he's a mentor card. We know he's a character. Uh, he may not be alive, but... Uh, he's a floating head. He's like a Zordon thing. Okay. Yeah, it's like a Zordon thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, we could see uh, we could see Lord Sutcliffe become a uh, Shadow Runeblade, but I think it's more likely we'll see a uh, Shadow Viscerai yeah. uh, reappear with like a new title, like a Starvo kind of deal. Yeah, well, I mean, he has a shadow border. It's like, I feel yeah, like... It's, it's natural. It's natural. The clues are there. We found it. Mystery but, solved. And uh, one of the other boogeymen of Blitz is not having a great oik. That's true. Uh, <laughs> and uh, R.I.P. Carlos. Yeah, so I gotta say, I might be a bit biased here, uh, but... Gosh, I was so tired of playing against Wizards. I'm so happy <laughs> that they they hit Snapback and they hit Stir the Aetherwind. And I think what they wanted to do is they really wanted to limit the amount of instants that you can fire off per turn, especially with the deck running so many tomes, Gaze of Ages, and then now um, Potion of Deja Vu. Like, it was so possible in yeah. Blitz on turn three to have, like, a 15-card turn. Um and just be able to play an insane amount of spells without really having to pitch all that much for the privilege of paying his instance. Um, so thank God. Yeah. That deck wasn't um, fun to play against. Snap. Snap. Uh, snapback is a very, very strong card. Absolutely. Um, just the instant speed clause on that is, and for one mana for three damage is great. I mean, 
especially with all the buffers that you have, like Aether Flare uh, or even like Aether Wildfire already hitting. You know, I mean, Aether Wildfire is usually spells doom for most games, but um, sometimes you can play around it. I haven't had much success, but uh, I think this should help things a little bit, especially with like stir the Aether Winds being able to turn on a instant speed plus three damage Aether Flare uh, was very, very scary. Um, also, one thing I, we didn't mention, uh, which is really cool, now that we've finally seen a living legend hero, uh, that when a hero achieves living legend, um, they congr- they have like a cool post congratulating all the players who have won uh, events who earn that hero points. It's like a the huge end list. Of, it's like the end of Evangelion. Yeah, like it's a like whole congratulations. list. Yeah. <laughs> it's like congratulations. And we're going to read all 300 no <laughs> oh god no <laughs> i just it took me like six finger movements to scroll through the whole list oh my goodness yeah it's a lot of people congratulations um yeah i i was like yeah i think that's um i mean i think it's well earned like the deck was really good and it uh it was cool yeah man and they left skeleton in the format well yeah well i thought they didn't they uh no, they didn't hit Skeletor. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. and they, uh, so, well, so what they did was they, they hit the other half of the combo, right? They got Sonata. You're right. Sonata. Yeah. They did suspend, uh, Sonata, right? Or, uh, ban it. Yeah. So it's suspended until the next scheduled announcement right. following the conclusion of right. Skirmish season five, uh, on August 22nd, 2022. So that is four long months, a whole third of a year without Sonata Arcanics. Um, and also snap back and stir the Aetherwind. That's crazy. And then let's talk about the most brutal banning in history, because this is fascinating to me because they're, I, I mean, of the seven blitz decks they've printed, I think like five of them contain this card. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, that's probably not a hundred percent correct. It's probably more like three if we're being honest. Um, but heart and cross strap got banned outright the og equipment um my god uh only in blitz obviously um but wow that is fascinating um and i think this so so what's interesting to me is like the uh it was a two sentence explanation and uh i wish they would have like given some examples of it and i get it but uh heart and heart and cross straps and no questions asked start in play one turn kill combo enabler like what it ooh, they just go for the throat immediately. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what here are we discussing? Yeah, right. So that's why I was confused. I was like, while this card has not had a glamorous existence to date, we're confident heart and cross strap will be become a common centerpiece of OTK decks if it remains legal in the blitz format. I guess it's maybe a preemptive thing. Like if they just expect like decks to uh evolve around the new meta or the uprising meta. Um, cause I mean like Benji doesn't even want to use that card to begin with. He doesn't have two cost stuff. Uh, he wants to run Vellist, uh, the vest of the Vels fist yeah. or whatever. Um, so I don't know the, um, so they say in support of slowing the format down, they say the card hasn't really done anything to date, but they're confident it'll become a centerpiece of OTK decks. Stubby hammers 
enables a a horrific OT deck combo. All I can think is that LSS hired somebody really toxic to play test this upcoming set. Yeah, I mean, if they figured that out, I mean, that's pretty sweet. I mean, that's a kind of that kind of raises a bit of confidence in the play testing uh, for uh, a set. If they're already banning things beforehand, like preemptively, (laughs) letting people know that, hey, this is not going to (laughs) fly kind of deal. They just this OTK day, like they're suspending this, and it's so funny to me. Literally two months in advance, uh, they're just outright banning both of these cards. Two months in advance, and to me, it seems like like the whoever's in charge of the ban and restricted has probably got to a point where they're like, I don't feel like going to work today. Well, you know, <laughs> here's this thing that's this phenomenon uh, that might help explain this is um, I think this is not a terrible idea instead of waiting for the set to like just about to release uh in magic the gathering things have known have been known to uh occur during a spoiler season where a card is released and then people immediately freak out because they're like oh snap uh this is a combo card with the new card this is a combo and then they go on tcg player and the card spikes so like there have been ridiculous spikes for old bulk rares uh, that just shoot up to $18 out of nowhere uh, until everyone and their mother goes through their bulk boxes and lists like the eight uh, heavily played copies they have on TCG player. And then the card comes back down. Yeah. So um, I think that if they went into spoiler season, not banning the correct cards uh, preemptively and people were to see these cards, there would be, uh, severe market fluctuations for like cold foils, dubby hammers, or hardened cross traps, which are already expensive cards, which they wouldn't be terrible purchases if you were to even make them, right? These are like alpha cold foils. Yeah. But at, to begin, but anyways, if these cards got banned later on, the uh, lashback would be severe. And I think those cards would see a, a large dip if they weren't playable uh, where people thought they would be. So I think it's fine now. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know. That's just my logic looking at it, and I think it just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Points to LSS. I dig that, as opposed to, like, you know, letting every legacy player buy $300 worth of Ragavans. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... And then bite it. Uh, so, you know what? I think... Yeah, that covers all the bands, right? I don't think we missed any. No. Um. There, there are a few other things to discuss, but it's not really uh worth going over we all know why certain cards were banned and we kind of just went over it so we don't really need to hash out what lss has to say about uh skeleta yeah absolutely yeah i think it's just the so many cards in hand so much arcane damage <laughs> uh, i'll miss those days big sad much need help um so all right so we're gonna get to the biggest brightest bestest greatest news and that is LSS is finally doing it. They are giving us doubles of every adult hero except for Mechanologist, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to eventually. But we now have a new ninja and a new illusionist coming our way in Uprising, the official set from Legend Story Studios. Let's not turn this into an advertisement. I'm trying very hard, Um, (laughs) but I'm so excited about these cards. Matt. Between the new Draconic Illusionist and the new Ninja, which one are you more excited about and why? Well, uh, actually, I'm actually really excited for the Draconic Ninja. So 
my reason here. I, I actually am excited for both. If I'm not going to lie, uh, even Icelander too, but, um, Icelander too. I've never found myself, um, that interested in Ninja. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. The deck just seems like, I just don't like Katsu's like lines, you know, <laughs> kick, um, kick, punch, kick, Kadachi, Kadachi, yeah, it's, turn. it's, it's good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just great. not, um, I don't like that play style that is limited to uh, those specific lines. It feels like a very two dimensional play style, right? Where like it's very readable. Yeah. Uh, if you if once you once you played against it enough, I don't I don't like that. And uh, you know I, maybe it's just me not having played enough ninja, but um, I'm just not a fan of it. And I think that I would love to see a ninja that doesn't rely on combos, or if so, they kind of just have them as finishers. You know, yeah. um, I would love to see something like that, where it's kind of like a lot of supportive attacks that are kind of just brutal, uh, maybe punishing on hits, you know, uh, recursion, because it seems to be that there were some uh, banish interactions with draconic cards. Yeah. The, the draconic talent has some graveyard uh, synergy, it seems, with the uh, what was the card? It was uh, the two cost six power, right? That they spoiled. Oh, we talked yeah. about last week. Gosh, what was it? Well, in any case, um, I never, I don't have a game with an S. Oh, Thaw. It was Thaw, actually. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and uh, you could banish it at the start of your turn or the end of your turn, I think. And uh, yeah, at the start of your turn, you could banish it from your graveyard and you get to like unfreeze some equipment or yourself or destroy a frostbite. So it's really cool. Um, cool, cool tech against ice. Uh, but I would like to see some other things like that. You know, uh, Ninja already has a few like play from the Banish Zone stuff. Uh, at least Katsu's uh, pitch ability and uh, Mask of the Pouncing Links kind of deal. Uh, oh, and uh, what's that new one? Breaking Break Tide, right? Yeah. That one also gets cards in from the Banish Zone, plays cards from the Banish Zone. So it's not out of the question for Ninja to do that. And the theme is kind of uh, Phoenix like, even though he was going to be a draconic ninja. Um, so that's a very on theme with Phoenix, right? Free birth, you know, from the flames. So, uh, I full expect to see some cards playable from the bandit zone or have interactions from there. Uh, Draconic Illusionist though, uh, Dromai, she's, uh, she's pretty sexy though. Yeah. I am so stoked for a new illusionist, um, because I just have a shitload of illusionist cards. Um, (laughs) And I, uh, you know, obviously, you know, if there's one thing I know about people, Matt, it's that they love dragons. So all these cards are going to be super expensive. The second this comes out, I, it's It's so weird because in my time playing flesh and blood, I haven't seen the level of hype for a hero before. Like a single card is spoiled as there is for Dromai. And they did, I mean, and I say that because the only spoiled card at this point is, seems to be a token. A mythic token, by the way. I mean, a mega rare token. Yes, they are only mega rares. There are no (laughs) majestics. There are no mythics. They're only mega rares. That's an M, and the red M stands for two things. One mega, two Mario. Those are the only things a red M can stand for. Uh, And I, you know what? I was thinking about it, right? I was like, it's super weird for there to be a mega rare token. Um... And then I was like, no, wait, Everfest had four of them. Wait, what? All the heroes. 
Oh. Yeah, I guess so. They were all mega rare tokens. How do you represent this card if you don't have the mega rare token? That's my problem with it is that (laughs) it is an object created by a card, uh, which we don't know yet. Um, There's no source on the card as to what would create it, but it's an ally token. Um, Oh, is it? Yeah, it's an ally token uh, with six health, six power. And when it attacks a hero, Reveal the top three cards of your deck. He deals arcane. It says he deals arcane damage equal to twice the number of red cards revealed this way to them or an ally they control. So this tells us a couple things is that uh, this illusionist is not so uh, not so worried about yellow pitch stuff and more than likely we're worried about red pitch stuff. Yeah. This also tells me that Talisman of Recompense is probably a good card moving forward. Um, there he goes, going to buy some I'm Talisman of Recompense. I'm going to TCG Recom- player in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buy some Cold Foil Talisman of Recompenses. Uh, nah, I mean, it's got to really play into the synergy of the Oh, deck. it's already up to 10 cents. People oh, figured no. it out. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, that's not... That's, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I just don't know if they're going to print it as a token also. But it would be weird, like. Well, so know. you know, it's it's a similar question though. Like, how do you represent? Uh, you know, if you don't have an Icelander, how do you represent Icelander? If you what don't have if, a Starvo, uh, how do you represent Starvo? What if it isn't a token slot, but it's harder to open? I don't know. Oh, what? You, there's like a really undesirable white border art where it's just like I don't know. I, I really don't know. Someone drew a dragon it, with like a pencil in thirty seconds. <laughs> it's just I like the game state being represented accurately same so when people just put dice out in magic the gathering to represent they're like oh that drives me they're, insane they're, i can never tell when they're tapped there there's six uh plants i'm like no could you please put a card under that like a square it, right? it just it also just helps visualize like you know represent it needs something. to be a rectangle right so i don't care here you are it needs to be a rectangle yes so <laughs> you know if there's not a rectangle that's a six power, six life, and all the text that, you know, uh, Optimi has, I it, I don't really think that's uh, fair. You can't make a decision uh, accurately if you forget that's there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll worry about it when Uprising comes out. Uh, but that's going to be really cool to see, like, al- more allies in the game, not just Ursar and uh, Blasphemet. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be super, super careful about putting allies in the game because they just. I mean, the, you, this this is not really a game about permanence, and I know that's like a lot of people's main complaint with Prism is that it's a very permanent heavy deck. Well, illusionist kind of, you know, that's what it does, and it, it is a it is an illusionist. You know what? That's interesting because this is an card. illusionist card, and also I don't know if you know this, but in Latin, Dracona Optimi actually translates to Dragon Optimi. And so, uh, I don't know. The joke never works. It's really funny to me. But I, I, I do think this is interesting, right? Because it's Dracona Optimi, obviously, like, opti- like optimum, meaning, like, the greatest. Uh, there's three dragons in this set. And so, like, and Dracona Optimi doesn't appear to be the central one in the art. I believe it's the one in the far right. Am I yeah. mistaken? Yeah, so Dracona Optimi is one of the three, but you would yeah. imagine that the center dragon... Well is the big dragon because i mean if you look at him he's just lava so if you look in some of the other materials for the game like the releases for the stuff for the product uh the other dragons have names 
and oh, have, uh, they, have we yeah so that one's optimus right and the ability is to look at the top three it's the other one dracona well, it's it's dominus Oh. And the other one, I believe, what it, was it? I, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it was another almost sounding like an ability, right? Like dominate, dominus. Uh, the one of them was opt optibus, right? Um, and then there's a third one with a name that is uh, reminiscent of an actual ability on you know fab cards. So crushimus, crushimus, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm kind of upset that that's not real. Uh, Dracona, Crushimus, I'm all in for. Oh, Arcanus, imagine. No, I'm just kidding. That's not oh, okay. It. Oh, right, right there. Yeah. yeah. Look. Oh, yeah. They just. <laughs> to Melti? So I'm assuming uh, it has something to do with Melt or Tome. Tome. Tome draw. Hmm. Yes. Those are some theories I've seen where Tome is draw, Optimi is opt, and then Dominus is going to be dominate. Yeah, that's interesting because it's like Tome, Melt, and AI. It's like a computer that destroys books. Uh, I know. Yeah, that is interesting, though. So based on their names of Dracona, Optimi, Dominia, and Tomelti. Yeah, you get Opt, Dominate, and Tome. Yeah, okay. Yeah, nice. All right. Sold on the conspiracy? I'm 100% sold. Although I Excellent. do believe Dominia. I'm going to be really upset. Oh, Dominia done by Steve Argyle. Oh, what? yeah. I'm going to be really upset if there's not like a direct Godzilla reference. You see on that the blue card. flame? Yeah. That's the blue flame. Steve. That's a signature Steve blue flame if I've ever seen one. Yeah. And speaking of Steve Argyle, the man, the myth, the legend himself will be at Pro Tour. Yeah. Absolutely. So signing all of your <laughs> signing all of your tokens, uh, all of your tokens. And hopefully uh, we'll see some infamous Steve Argyle alters of. Icelander out there as he has. I wonder infamous infamously done with Liliana of the Vale, his most prestigious work and well-known art. Here's a weird question. Yeah. I wonder if LSS is going to let him sign magic cards there. <laughs> Good question. Yeah, I feel like I don't know if uh I it, don't know. It's super like crappy if they don't, right? Yeah, that would suck. I would love to bring my if I if I knew Star Steve Argyle was going to be there, I would bring a ton of stuff for him to sign. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Have him sign your vest. <laughs> Just like so I'm sign Argyle pattern socks or something. I think that'd be really great. Although my sense of humor, I feel like, is slowly becoming undone. Um, so what's interesting, right, is and we had this discussion beforehand, uh, right? The young Fay art, uh, he has the Phoenix thing going on. Dreme adult art uh, is just all scaly and dragony. Don't forget the very, very long heels and boots. Yeah, those seem inappropriate for dragon stuff. riding, riding, but I've never done it personally. I don't so know. I that dragon you. doesn't seem all that uh, bothered by it. Yeah, that's true. That's the key is you got to bounce your weight on the horns. So I would like to point something out, though. The ash dragon that she is holding in her hand. Yeah. Does that remind you of anything? It's hard to see from here, but uh, I can't say <laughs> yeah, it does. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're no, like no, no. Feet away from the screen. Well, I, I can't say it reminds me of anything. To me, it kind of looks like a spectral shield token. Yeah. You know, it'd be cool if that. Well, you know, actually, hold up. So uh, I don't know if you've read any other uh, text 
uh, or like product release like sheets and stuff. I haven't. Um, so uh, the Blitz decks have uh, some stores have posted like descriptions for the products, which is why they I know did that. See these. Which is why they know that uh, the Ninja is going to be Draconic. But uh, when they described the playstyle of each, uh, the Illusionist Dromai was described as using Ash tokens Ooh, to generate. Ash. Uh, ash tokens to generate like uh, I guess dragons to help summon dragons so she has to create ash tokens like uh, I don't know what, what else they can do other than help you summon dragon allies but um, it would be pretty cool if they had another ability or function or a way that a player could interact with it what if it was an ally with like zero power or something right and then there was a majestic in the set uh, that or a legendary or like a weapon, right? That lets you turn your ashes into weapons. Yeah. But then now we just have Prism 2.0. Yeah, then it's just Prism all over again. It's so kind of annoying. <laughs> I do think so. I do think that spectral shields are very uh, their core to how illusionist works. Well, we only have one illusionist, but obviously all cards that interact with spectral shields are. Uh, and this is really interesting, right? There are no yellow cards that interact with spectral shields specifically. Hmm. Like some of them have an effect that's generated by a spectral shield. Like Prism, obviously, you can generate a spectral shield with. But every card that specifically generates a spectral shield, whether it is the prismatic shield card or haze bending, um, is specifically a generic illusionist card. So it leads me to believe that spectral shields are inherent to the way that illusionist works along with phantasm i agree i don't think though anything in uprising will generate a spectral shield actually you can see some of those ash tokens right there yeah right yeah if you look at the art uh of young dramai which is actually really interesting uh she's playing i don't know how to pronounce the traditional name of it but they're playing a game of go uh which is fascinating uh and it leads me to believe that her deck might be because I did, go the strategies and lines of play can actually be a little bit more intricate than chess because of the size of the board. And it leads me to believe that maybe they're I mean, maybe I'm reading way too much into Kate Fox's art here. But it leads me to believe that this is going to be a very intricate deck. Well, the game of Go is all about dominating the board, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's about taking over territory and the uh what is the kingdom's name um i'm, I'm the kingdom of Vol Vol the region of volcor but the oh the uh, specific kingdom yeah well either way the uh empire or whatever you would like to call it um they have that card command and conquer and they're very like brutal regime uh you know and they have they named the empire yeah they have i just don't remember where i read it and i don't remember exactly what it was but um they um they definitely uh, oppress people and they have a very orderly military, right? Rank and file kind of deal, right? Um, yeah. And that's, I think, how her deck will play uh, with probably high power attacks, kind of like heralds, right? Uh, and strategic moves like instant abilities like Prism has on her uh, hero card. Uh, probably some instant auras, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, she's probably going to accumulate a lot of ash on the board and use that to her benefit. And in constructed play, uh, beyond just uprising, definitely the shields are going to come in handy. 
Though she won't be able to use Luminaris, she still can use Phantasmal Footsteps. That's true. So I don't know if that's going to be helpful. If they'll, so here's a prediction I have as well uh, regarding the legendaries for the set. I predict that there will be two legendary specialization uh, draconic cards. One for because there are two legendary shadow cards. One for Shane, one for uh, Levia. Yeah. So I think there's going to be two legendary ones. One for uh, Faye and one for Dromai, uh, right? Um, I don't know what they're going to do, but I believe that they'll summon those uh, allies, right? Or do yeah. something to that effect, which is kind of like re- repeating the same old thing. Is that it happened. Shenlahar? Is that what we're thinking of? Shenlahar? No, I don't think I don't know. so. Yeah, it seems to just be a random city. No, I, I don't remember exactly where it was where it was uh, written down. Maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken, but the um, no, but yeah, you're right. That you think they'll do what they did with uh, Eclipse, and then I forget. What the uh, doomsday, doomsday. The one. yeah that summons uh blasphemy that makes so much sense actually um especially you know i i think they're trying to get away from bloat uh with legendaries you know right. um, um the last thing they want is every single cc hero to have like a 600 dollars buy-in when you need four pieces for sure you know and i think also the other equipment because i think it's six legendaries if i'm not mistaken um and of course they would be one for deck one per deck if they're specializations um but i think the other ones will be a uh a new wizard vanilla legendary item uh wizards sort of sorely lacking in new equipment um and then we will hopefully see uh, a new like uh, legendary for illusionist and maybe uh, ninja. So that makes five. Yeah. And maybe we'll see a generic legendary as well. That's what that's my hope. So I don't think we'll see another ice legendary. Right. That seems a little too uh, unnecessary and just maybe adding more to the Starville Ultim card pool. Yeah. Uh, more than we need to. Uh, and also Lexi. But, uh, well, that wouldn't be too bad. Help Lexi out a little bit. But um, I'd be interested in seeing a generic, a wizard, a illusionist ninja, and then specializations for the two new heroes. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, I think they're slowly getting to a point where they kind of want each hero to have two legendaries. And uh, I mean, Rune Blades there, Warriors there. Shit, Rune Blades got like four. Yeah, Rune Blade does have four. Almost four. Yeah, depending you can, on you can which Rune Blade you're playing. No, you can run Tunic and Fist Ride if you wanted to. Or yeah, you can run Carry Legend, and Husk and You can chain. do Arcanite's Gold Cap, Tunic, uh, Grasp, and, uh, and the and uh, Creepers. Yeah. There, I don't know any hero. Oh, well, Starbo probably has legendary. Uh, Oh no, he doesn't have any legendary feet. Yeah, feeties. He wears tiny shoes. Little booties. Time skippers or Norum <laughs> boots, or uh, occasionally you see him wear. Uh, occasionally it's the iron hides, right? Uh, yeah, it depends on uh, the matchup, but that's definitely a so- a slide in for the hero. Well, let's talk about the biggest thing with uprising, at mm-hmm. least for me personally. Paper boosters are back. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's a mainstay. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. Um, I wonder if history packs going to be paper boosters as well. That's a great question. I wonder if they sent them to the printer before. Uh, Good question. You know, before they like had made a decision. Yeah. 
Well, hmm. we also are getting the Marvels in Uprising as well, and we are we do know that the we see have seen one one of the dragons have a marvel i imagine the other two dragons will also have marvels and since we saw what we think or believe to be the first iteration of marvels with uh starvo right his cold foil double-sided yeah i believe that is one of our first introductions to them testing out the idea of marvels um it has the mythic symbol, majestic symbol, or, you know, yeah. But I believe that it's inserted in the boxes at the Marvel uh, pull rate without saying actual Marvel. Just like, uh, you know, just like the, the majestic extended arts. Right. Yeah. So like they're they have the same pull rates. Sorry, mega rare. Yeah, the, the, they. I think they share the same pull rate, but without actually being called Marvels. You this mean was Mega like Purple a, Rare? Yeah, Mega Purple Rare. Purple <laughs> Rare. Pro Rare. Pro Rare. Ultra Rare. Um, so I think that was a test of like that kind of style of uh, inserts for the booster packs. You yeah. Know, inc- including um, the first Ed uh, Monarch and the Channel Lake Frigid. Those are Marvels, essentially. Yeah, I agree. Those are uh, the pre pre. Uh, Prefab 2.0 Marvels, right? Yeah, yeah. That makes a, that makes 100 percent sense to me. I think that's exactly what they were doing. And uh, in the background, I did look up history pack one. It does appear to be in foil wrappers because they're not advertising paper, and that might have something to do with uh, history pack one is actually a 36 pack box. Yeah, it's a much larger box. Um, I believe, like you said, they probably sent it out to the printers much earlier. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if uh, you're at a WPN store, they do have boxes now for booster wrapper recycling. So uh, try to throw your trash in there if you uh, open some history pack one. Not try to advertise for wizards, but, you know, they do have those little boxes there. They used to do a thing. Uh, so I don't know. So I never took part in this, but I think about it all the time. But they used to have a thing where you could mail in your old rappers to wizards and there were like special basic lands and promo cards. Whoa, that's sick. I didn't know about that. It was a lot of mail for them to process. I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> now WPM premium stores are being sent these cool square boxes where players can dump their, pay, their booster wrappers into for recycling. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's very true. You know, I think that the best way to go around about about this is the paper packs, right? That's the future, I believe, uh, as, as long as they can figure out the damage control here. Because I remember seeing damage product from Everfest. Um, not very frequently, but it did happen. Um, but once they figure out, you know, how to fix those small inconsistencies and stuff, uh, paper boosters are the future, man. Like, Wizards needs to get on top of that. The first iteration of the cardboard booster pack sucked. Um, yeah, and players lost confidence in the product and just the yeah those original modern masters entirely. Yeah. yeah, there's so much damage, so much uh, reinsertion, uh, and you know forgery of booster boxes and packs and stuff. It was insane. Absolutely. So, um, and, you know, I was actually I was recently part of a uh, I was recently part of a test where um i fill out surveys it's stupid don't waste your time don't fill out surveys it never pays off it will like twice in your life so one of those times was wizards actually sent me 
Uh, one of their new cardboard boosters is like a Strixhaven pack. Oh, yeah. I've heard about these. These are very rare, actually. I know I opened it. I shouldn't have. <sighs> uh, I still have it with like all the cards inside or whatever, and it's still in pretty good condition. But yeah, I do have one. I'll show it to you after this. Yeah, I think people, you might be able to still value that pretty well, pretty nicely, but it is a nice memento. Yeah, for sure. That's, they some, send that's me a, a nice letter. There's like a nice letter too that guides you through like how you're supposed to open it and like what you're supposed to focus on. Yeah. It's really interesting. But um, those things sucked compared to paper boosters. So oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm hoping the Everfest boosters. First of all, oh my god, the ecstasy of opening your first paper booster was just chef's kiss yeah it's like um, the, it's that birthday present christmas morning thing they right. tap right into it's it like, and i'm gonna bring it up a hundred times you hit it on the nail it's like freaking christmas morning <laughs> they like acoustically yes. tune the sound too it's like <laughs> it feels like you're opening a gift wrap like a gift wrap box it's great um but also it's great for you know recycling because like let's be honest like you know, maybe you don't give a shit about like throwing away your booster packs and stuff, but at the very least, like having booster paper packs will significantly reduce like the amount of plastic pollution, you know? Yeah, I 100% agree. Or foil or whatever you, whatever it's made out of, you know, the regular yeah. booster packs. Well, so the, there's it's a thin layer of plastic. It's so film. unnecessary. Absolutely. Right. Like it's like one of these weird small ways that cutting out you know the foil wrapping can you know long term make small differences so it's nice to see companies going out of their way to do that so they don't they don't have to but they did so yeah it's like um i don't know recycling to me is like stop signs we all everyone has to agree to behave a certain way around it for the greater good <laughs> you know even though it inconveniences all of us yeah so that's why i'm big on the recycle booster packs i think that's really cool so they're bringing them back, and it's awesome. So, Matt. Yeah. There is one more point that we didn't talk about yet. What's that? How do you think drafts going to work in Uprising? Oh, yeah. Um, interesting. So, like, we have two Draconic heroes, two talents, right? Ice and Draconic, and only one hero for one of those talents, and two heroes for Draconic. You know, I think that it'll work just fine. Um, you will, of course, have cards in the booster packs that are not really useful for uh, your deck if you're not playing Wizard, right? Ice Wizard, uh, Icelander, if you're drafting. Uh, but there will be plenty of generics for you to pick. But it doesn't make it weird, though, right? So the idea is to have every booster pack have a card that you can pick, right? That's going to yeah. be useful to you, at least until, like, the late drafting point, you know, like, pick 10 almost, right? Pick 9. yeah. I mean, in Magic, sometimes the colors and the booster packs are super random, uh, but never so much so that you're seeing like five white cards in a row. That never happens. So I think we'll see something similar where, you know, each booster pack will have about six generics in the beginning, like they usually do, or some number of generics, right? Uh, eight, I believe. And then it was like nine and ten, eight, uh, no, eight, nine, ten for the uh, for the equipment. And your two rares, which of course could be generics or your talent rares or class rares. And then you have the talents in the back, right? I think all of the um, generic, all of, I don't know if we will have new wizard cards, right? 
That's um, fair. That would be interesting. I would like to see new Wizard Ninja and Illusionist Vanilla cards, right? Just not uh, talentless class cards. But I'm not sure how they all appear in packs, if we'll have commons or not. Um, but I mean, like, even in Monarch Booster Draft, like, you could see a pack with, like, uh, light war- like two light warrior and a warrior and an illusionist card left in it, right? And then what are you going to pick from it? Nothing that's going to help you, right? But yeah. The draft format was still a lot of fun. It was still very easy to format form a deck, you know, with all the generics that you're picking early in each pack. So I think it'll be fine whether they include the talentless class cards or not. Um, I think it'll be a very fun draft format. Well, okay, so check this out. The more I think about it, the more that maybe they don't want draft to be balanced. Like maybe the idea is to reward players that are good at reading signals because currently I feel like it's way too even. Like you run an eight person draft pod and then like if you're running like Arcane Rising or Welcome to Wraith or Monarch, it's like ideally there end up being two of each hero. And I would say that in 80% of the drafts that happens every single time. So the idea of a three hero pod with a weirdly skewed card pool, I think leads to it rewards players that are capable of reading signals and drafts. So maybe that's the idea behind it. I also, yeah, but I also think that they're, they can't make it so that, you know, even the worst draft player can potentially screw themselves, you know, where they have to draft you, where they have to play like 12 cracked bobbles. You know, that's like, I have done the worst I've ever drafted. I had to play like seven cracked bobbles. And I still won my first two matches, yeah. but you know, it, I don't think that they'll design the booster packs in such a way that that's even possible. I, I just, you know, even if you're like the worst drafter and you only know how to pick the, the card that looks the coolest for your hero that you already decided you're going to build no matter what, whether it's open or not, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think that you can actually have an unplayable deck, you know? Well, especially because there's one other thing I wanted to mention about Uprising is uh, every set up until Uprising has been 14 cards in a token and Uprising is actually 15 cards in a token. Yeah, that should be interesting. That might be a big change in how uh, the set's drafted and there might be including an extra like class, a slot for a class card. Yeah, that would be interesting. You end up drafting 150 percent of a deck, you know, I mean, obviously you can't play all of them, but I think that gives you. Gives you a lot of it gives you a nice stretch. So, yeah, mm. I dig it. Yeah, this should be interesting. All right. Well, I think that does it for episode seven. Matt, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, Uprising looks sweet. Um, yeah, it really does. I'm a little sad that, uh, you know, I'm really sad that this where I got hit so hard, but it, it's kind of deserving. Um, you know that. We do have a few more uh, questions that perhaps uh, we can get a few quick fire answers for. Sure. Uh, if you're willing to go through and take a yeah, look. Yeah, absolutely. Might as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this first one comes from Carlos. Uh, he says, how do you think Uprising Sealed will go? And I think, um, you know, I think that that's uh, going to be really interesting. Uh, it'll be... I feel like it gives you some really weird you're going to have weird options in this card pool because obviously uprising sealed you're suddenly looking at a 90 card pool to build a 30 card deck from that's really cool so maybe I think to me it 
seems like every single hero will be viable out of a 90 card pool, but it's more about your ability to see small interactions among the cards you pulled. When you say 90 card pool, or uh, yeah, 90 card pool, the six packs of 15 cards plus a token. So yeah, since the other ones were 14 in a token and this is 15 in a token, that would be 75, right? Six packs. Yeah, I'm, 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 oh wait, no, you're right. No, yeah, ninety cards. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You um, missed one. Yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, sealed will be just fine. Uh, okay, Carlos also asked, and this is really interesting because I have thought about this for a while and I haven't come up with any results. Is who do you guys think the front runners of the meta will be after Starvo LL and why? Hmm. Well, I think not necessarily one hero. Uh, but until Icelander uh, and the Draconic meta come, right, assuming Starvo hits Levig Legend uh, with Protor, uh, whether that, you know, who knows what happens. But if that does occur, uh, I feel like it's going to be a very aggressive meta. And I think that uh, old him and uh, Bravo will have to sit there and gatekeep away, like not gatekeep necessarily, but uh, stave away a lot of aggressive decks. Right, because uh, without the OTK plan, uh, Visrai is going to struggle against Guardians. But if it was Prism left alone to fend against an aggro deck, she would lose. Yeah, she would. She would fade away. You know. Um, I think Chain becomes the best hero. Maybe. Yeah, uh, that's a high, high possibility. There's a high possibility as well that Shane actually does win Pro Tour, but we'll have to see um, what the spread is for Pro Tour on that day, um, on those couple days, but. Yeah, no, Shane definitely has a high uh, win potential in the meta currently. And uh, if Starvo gets LL, I think that uh, Prism's going to struggle a little bit. Starvo yeah. is her one of her best matches, and the meta is filled with Starvo right now. So she's doing all right. All right. So, okay. So Alex actually asked a great question, right? Uh, so he asks, if Draconic Talent counters Ice... Then what counters Draconic? Wouldn't playing Draconic Talents by default be strictly the best? Um, so this is fascinating, right? Because first of all, joke answer, the thing that counters Draconic is stopping, dropping, and rolling. However, we have seen one Draconic... We've seen the two Draconic cards, right? We've seen the one that directly counters the Ice cards. And then we saw the Dragon Ally. And what does the Dragon Ally do? It rewards you for playing reds. And what's incredibly strong against reds? Frostbite tokens. So they beat each other. Right. So there is a they have a yeah, exactly. Because I think I think frostbite tokens, like if you have a handful of reds, suddenly you're pitching two cards to get rid of a frostbite. Talisman of recompense stocks. Yeah, right. It's at four dollars <laughs> right now. Buy now. Get in your order. Uh, you know, I think that there will be some really strong draconic cards. And if I had to guess, just a total guess, no, not based on any information, but the fact that um some of these cards can have an effect from the graveyard, um, I feel like there's gonna be some penalties on yeah. some of these cards. Drawbacks. Not quite blood debt, but something similar. Mm -hmm. Uh maybe some arcane damage to yourself. Um, best be careful. Uh, Kano might play an Aether Ooh. Wildfire on your turn. Standing too close to the flame. That would be hilarious if Kano hits you for seven on Aether Wildfire right before you dealt arcane damage to yourself. I would, 
I would cry. But uh, yeah, that would be cool. I don't know. Uh, some really low cost attacks that kind of uh, burn you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I think, Doug, you've got it right. I think the the strictly within Uprising, uh, they will be able to uh, counter each other. And I think it's more that Ice is really good against the Draconic heroes in that they need something to help them uh, break out of like frost locks or frost bites. I think it's more the other way around. Yeah, that that card thaw is a tool again, like an anti anti tool, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's. I don't know. I, yeah, I trust them with the balance of draft more than anything. I don't think they've released a single bad draft set yet. Uh, I mean, someone would argue Arya sucked, but <laughs> it's. Uh, I think the lack of arcane barrier just made it a much faster format. But it also was a, I don't know, I think it could have been a little better if we had some ways to prevent uh, arcane like spell voids in the common slot. But uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I think Uprising, uh, the limited format will be fine. You know, I th- we'll have to see, obviously. It hasn't been released yet. Yeah. So, um, Dromai and Fey definitely seem like they could have cool abilities, although we don't know for sure. Um, we hope that the draconic abilities and ice abilities stuff with Icelander are going to help shake the meta up, you know? Um, but well, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Have you ever, now that I look at, have you ever noticed all the faces on the flesh and blood logo? Sometimes. Uh, face there, face there. Not on the sides though. Face there. Never really noticed. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Has that been there the whole time? We'll find out. We just we have a really big picture of the booster pack on the screen. That's actually really interesting. Um huh. We'll have to look into that. See if that's always been there. Any thoughts before we close out here? Uh no, I think we covered it all. And we know, as you know, they're probably 15 minutes away from dropping their next huge announcement. Yeah, so guys, just uh after you hear this episode when we drop it, uh <laughs> it may sound like it's out of date. But I assure you, we haven't heard the news yet. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for uh, listening to Pitch Stack Episode 7. Uh, we'll um, see you next time. Yeah. Peace.